James Golden, a.k.a. Post Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Yeah, and the sun is shining. You know what that means. It's Saturday morning. Welcome to our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you would like to be part of this three-hour broadcast excursion, 800-848-WABC is the number to call. You can call in between sips of coffee. Or if you're a Brit, or you want to be like a Brit, some tea. 800-848-9222 is the number to call. It is Saturday morning. We will talk about everything that has dominated the news during the past week, if you'd like. Yeah, including Barbie. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. $500 million, and now everybody's got their own Barbie story on whatever news site it is, what Barbie is trying to teach us about old age and what Barbie's doing here. And, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, but there, it has been, this has been a very busy week in the presidential race. It has been a very busy week for Joe Biden, who finally acknowledged that he has seven grandchildren. He made a comment last night, which this is a little bit odd. After four years of not acknowledging he had a granddaughter, Maureen Dowd of the New York Times wrote a blistering piece about it. And all of a sudden, Joe Biden comes out and acknowledges, calls her by name, Navy, and says that he wants to do, they they want to do what's best for Navy. With me is the columnist, the uh, broadcaster, the provocateur, Derek Hunter. Derek, should we all be uh, just thrilled that the first man has admitted his seventh grand? You know, a little bit, just for the sake of the girl. Could you imagine going through life, being a member of this family, a famous family, the first family, and knowing that your entire, uh, the existence of your grandfather, they denied you? So at least no, she gets I... this. She gets a statement to People magazine. It'll be interesting to see if she gets a stocking hung on the uh, mantle. This year, maybe they'll replace the dog that's biting everybody with an actual human being uh, in the stocking <laughs> department. But uh, I don't have super high hopes for that. But we'll see. It just goes to show you that when when every other avenue is exercised, Democrats will do the right thing. You know, after they've tried why do you think they finally else. did it? What do you, do you think it was Modo coming out and? And and uh, it's like okay, you've lost Modo. You better do this now. Do you think well, that yeah, was it? Well, yeah, it was. It was certainly the New York Times drawing attention to it, but it was also Hunter Biden had a very bad week, and so they needed some sort of semi-related Hunter decent news. I can't say good news, but decent news. The cut catching a lot of hell. His word is a Biden. Only goes so far as he uses that line all the time, and only goes so far when you've got somebody sitting there looking at a kid who did not look. I get it. I bet you that it's Hunter's wife. Hunter's youngest child isn't all that much younger than the Navy is. There's a lot of overlap, 
anybody who can do basic math would look at that and go, oh, that's weird. And hmm. so that probably makes the current wife a little uncomfortable having that constant reminder. Also, I, I think that they only knew each other for like a week before they got married, so that's already got to bring in some, some insecurities. Uh, so she probably didn't, she, the, the current wife would be my guess was either, or Hunter decided not to acknowledge the kid because it made the current wife uncomfortable. And the family just went along with it. But you can't pretend to be a family man when you're taking this, when you're ignoring a child. You don't want to invite the the ex-girlfriend, or not even a girlfriend, the, the whatever, ex-hookup, to the family dinner. I get that. But you don't take it out on the kid. Joe's already got enough of a bad image problem. They try to pretend to be these wonderful family people, but at least two of their three kids they've raised who have serious addiction problems. And uh, I don't think that occurred. I don't think really, really good parents. Yeah, but do you blame that on the parents? I mean, there are great parents whose kids end up with addiction problems. Two out of three of them? Yeah, it can happen. I don't know. I I I mean, there are a lot of things about the Biden family I think are a little odd. I mean... The brother stoops the ex, the dead brother's wife, and then, I mean, that's a little bit odd. Okay, you know, my son who I love, who he always touts, who he says died in Iraq, who didn't die in Iraq, but died tragically of brain cancer. So he goes on and talks about his son, Bo, and it's clear how much Joe Biden really, you know, cares about his son. I mean, I don't think anyone would dispute that. I think he cared very deeply about Bo. Right, and, and then you have the, the other two kind of got what was left over, and I also look at it as look, you don't suddenly become a junkie at age forty, or age thirty-five. You've been building to that point for a very long time. I know they tried to say in uh, a bunch of news stories to try and sugarcoat Hunter's life that he fell into addiction after the death of his brother. Well, his brother died in 2015. He was kicked out of the Navy in 2013 for testing positive for cocaine on multiple occasions. He didn't fall into addiction then. He'd been dealing with addiction his for a very long time. Like I said, he was in his 40s when he joined the Navy. So you don't suddenly go, you know what, I've, I've led a pretty good life so far. I've been a good family man. But one thing I've never tried, I regret, I don't want to go to my grave without ever having smoked a lot of crack. You don't make that decision. So you've been doing it, and likely because your father was the senior senator from the state since the moment you were a zygote, you have, uh, the police will arrest you at a high school party, the police will arrest you for DUI, the police will arrest you for whatever, different things, and they'll go, oh, this is, this is the senator's kid. And after the first couple of times when they get the phone call, when the chief gets the phone call chewing out the ass of the police officer, the police chief who oversees the people who arrested, you don't need to make that phone call anymore. And then mm. you suddenly realize that you kind of are 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And you go down this spiral of you can't touch me, don't you know who I am or don't you know who my dad is. And then eventually in your 40s, you're filming every encounter with a trafficked young woman and doing all sorts of drugs. 
Because why? Because you're wildly self-destructive, because your whole life you haven't had barriers. Do you know anybody who in their 40s just decided, you know what, I'm going to go off the rails? No. It's people who have been careening down this road uncontrolled. I know people that have gone through, have had issues uh, later That they in didn't life. have until they were in their 40s? Uh, yeah. I mean, who? Well, I don't name me who, but... I'm not okay, that weren't surgery-related, that weren't, you know... Okay this, okay, okay. this is not recreation. This is recreational. This is fully recreational. It's, it's not just right. the drugs. It's the hookers. It's the filming of it all. It is the bragging of it all. It is the sexual harassing of employees. I won't pay you unless you send me a picture of your boobs. That sort of thing. And normal, a good average person doesn't wake up one day and, you know, you know what? I've been too straight-laced. I want to see how D-bags live. So you know what? I'm going to live like Andrew Tate for the next five years. Just suddenly. It's not a conscious decision. It's something you walk into. All right, before we go to the the week that Hunter Biden had in court, mm-hmm. you have two daughters and um and a bunch of cats and you know all that stuff fighting around me right now. The kittens are. Are you going to take your girls to go see Barbie? Well, have I heard you already you say, done it? I have not done it. We are actually toying with the idea of going to the drive-in tonight, mostly oh, for the boy. drive-in experience. Here we go. Yeah, mostly for the drive-in experience. The girls want to see it. They want to see it. They want to see it. I've looked at, uh, well, it's the way to see it that gives them the least amount of money because it's 10 bucks for an adult and kids get in free. There's so, still a drive-in in, in your area? There are. It hasn't like, been overrun by hood rats? It's an, or, over, it's an hour away. Oh. But it's still, I like the drive-in experience. I went to the, I grew up near a drive-in. Um, and so I. Thought, I liked when we were kids going to the drive-in. The only problem was you couldn't really hear the movie. Well, the, I mean, you, it was you used to have that little audio box thing that you hung right. on the window. You put the little box in your, yeah. No, we don't do that anymore. It, it's broadcast through the FM station, an FM station that you can only pick up in the immediate vicinity of the screen. So, oh, so you just turn on your sound system in the car, and if you have a booming sound system, then you're getting great audio. Yep. And then you're looking out the window at the uh, at the uh, movie. Yes. Plus, it'll give the, the girls... kids a chance to crawl around the car. They always get excited about that. They get excited for... New experiences, so the concession will be fun. The the second movie is Legally Blonde. Uh, it's a double feature. Oh, boy. It's so a blonde I doubt, double I doubt they'll make it that far because the movie starts at like 8.45. And like I say, it's an hour away, and I'm going to have to be the one to drive. So, But they want to see the Barbie movie. They love the Barbie movie. It's going to be a whole bunch of PCBS, but it's going to go right over their heads. They're not going to know what the patriarchy is, or are they probably even going to catch it? They're just going to be looking at the colors and the Barbie and going, <laughs> oh, my God, I play with it. So, you know, for 20 bucks and the, the ability to bring in our own food and everything, I'll take it. Yeah, I like that. Okay. So, uh, all right, so we've got that. I want to today, before we get off, I want to talk about Ron DeSantis and what's going on with this whole Derek, I was livid. I was livid. You know I love Ron DeSantis, and I love mm-hmm. Donald Trump. But the DeSantis uh, campaign response 
to Byron Donalds was infuriating. Now they've doubled down. Um, actually, Tim Scott has come out. John James has come out. And they're like, what is wrong with you people? You mean a whole bunch of Trump surrogates have come out and done their job or people with... Well, it's more than Trump surrogates. I mean, just like, look, I am not a Trump surrogate, but I was appalled. Look, well, what you, wait what's a the problem? You don't you you uh, look at people who take the wrong opinion. Here's the problem: and a, double down on it, agree with Kamala Harris, and go. All right, well, there you go. Forget you what like Kamala one of, Harris. You, you, you sound like one of them. One of them. All right, but me, I am. You one sound of like them. one of the, one of these guys on the DeSantis staff. You guys are tone deaf. I wish I were you on the get DeSantis it. staff. You don't get it. No, what you don't you get? What here's don't what I you get? don't get? Apparently. I understand that this is all just another racial frame-up thing from the Democrats. I got it. Okay. But there was a troublesome line in the curriculum Written that should by have been two addressed. black men. Yeah, it just should have been addressed. So when you have black guys that say, hey, wait a minute, you guys have a troublesome line in here. No, there was no real benefit to slavery. You shouldn't be saying that in the thing. One line. And, like, Byron Donald's wife has spent her entire career in in education she's there, this is a family that has dedicated a lot of time and energy toward promoting and working in charter schools they are this is a family deeply connected with the education issue mm-hmm. that happens to live in florida by the way and then you have other people like john james like tim scott who looked at the same thing and said you know what we get it we get the fact that this is mostly a great curriculum but you got one little line in there that's a problem. And instead of saying, you know what, we have a line there that's a problem, we'll take care of that. Then they go off on the attack on these guys like they're the enemies. Well, and maybe, that's just BS, man. Well, maybe the attack should have been not an attack. They understand. There's one problem with this line that's in the current AP African American history course. Hey, wait that's a second. It's the exact Donald same said. damn thing. That's what Donald's pretty much said. He said, this is a good program. He said, it's good. It's got one little thing in it. And instead of them just saying, hey, the guy has praised it, let's not go on the attack. The first thing they did is call him a rhino, which he's not a rhino. He's a conservative. And then the second thing is, oh, this sounds like it could have been tweeted by Kamala. No, it didn't, because he actually did praise the program. It's just black people are not allowed in the Republican Party to disagree with white master on anything. And it's sickening. Okay? <laughs> I mean, good grief already. These black people understand when something's written about you, for goodness sake, that there was no benefit in slavery. And I'm sorry that Republicans have such a difficult time understanding that the line is problematic. Do you have the exact line? I can dig out the exact line again. The exact, the, okay, well, the line is basically. And you know who wrote, by the way, Charles Koch wrote a great piece because he went through it. He went through all the references to slavery. He went yeah. through all of it. Mm-hmm. And it is, and the curriculum is a good curriculum. It's not a bad curriculum. There's one little line in there that was a problem the way the Democrats used it. One the line. Way the, you just gave the way the story, the way the Democrats used it. You're right. Yeah. And it, it has become an issue because it is a problematic line. It left an opening. You just said so the just way the Democrats say we'll used take it. The way, well, rather than the take way, the so bait. Just take it out. Rather than take the bait. 
why don't you point out the rather truth? than rather than which which Byron Donalds was trying to do. Rather than keep attacking the few black people that support your ass, why don't you just actually pay attention to what they're saying? And remove a lie even you. they admit is not problematic because Kamala said it was problematic. Kamala said the whole course was about this, which was a lie. Right. The whole curriculum is not about that. It was a total misrepresentation. They tried to correct the record. This is why John James today is infuriated. This is why Tim Scott is infuriated. This is why I am infuriated. You're, you're not the ones that have to go and explain Republicans to your family and to your, and we're trying to help this party. And the only thing we get is this, this pushback. Oh, don't you dare disagree with anything we say. Well, it's wrong. And you just can't damn it admit, oh, we made a stupid, somebody made a stupid mistake. We should have just pulled that out of there. Sickening. Now, what's sickening? Let me just face, let's just face facts. Republicans don't want really, really don't want black people in their party. We get that. Okay? We get it. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. We get it. Because of the way that anytime black people in this party speak up about something, we get treated like total SHI. We get the message. We've got to go for a break. James Golden. Byron Donalds was attacking on behalf of the Trump campaign. Byron Donalds was speaking his mind. Give him a little bit more credit than that. He praised it. He praised it. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. With Derek. My man, Derek Hudson. <laughs> WABC, 848-WABC. It's the number to call, 800-848-WABC. We're coming back right after this. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Yeah, Beyonce brings us back. You know, this was uh, today the anniversary of the release of her seventh album, Renaissance, which went on to uh, become number one across the United States. My man, Derek Hunter, is hanging out with us here. Derek, Mm. now that I've cooled down, I did find reference to the line. The line is on page six of the the curriculum. I'll have to go back and find it. Oh, you read it? Mm -hmm. Okay, so what does it say, Derek? I don't have it in front of me. I've read it. Okay, it says the standards uh, indicate that American slavery helped enslaved people develop skills that benefited them. Okay, it's a it's a really stupid it's phrase. A little bit more than that, but yeah, let's suggest. Yeah, but it. the whole thing. I mean, look, and it goes on and on. Is that? Of course, this is not what the whole curriculum is about. Of course not. It's one line. It's a problematic line, and all they had to do was say, you know what, that line didn't make too much sense. Let's we, we we'll look at it. 
Well, maybe they could. Because maybe they thought the they were dealing with adults when they were writing this thing, and they said, "Hey, you know what? There's no. You don't have to. It's about slavery. Everybody acknowledges slavery was awful. So every time you mention that, hey, you know what? Some people did learn some skills there, and we want to complete give a complete picture of slavery. We don't have to put the caveat, a fifteen paragraph caveat, in there. By the way, slavery is horrible, awful, terrible, worst thing ever. Blah 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 blah. But some people did learn, you know." skills that they did use after slavery and they used it to start businesses you don't Walter need Williams that caveat when you're dealing with adults if if you rob a bank and you steal the money but in the course of spending that money you buy a hungry kid a sandwich are we allowed to say you know you bought a hungry kid a sandwich or are you supposed to know he's just full evil because he stole the money if you want to paint a whole picture it's a horrible analogy but it's Still an analogy. Right, let, 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 let me let me go to what happened to Gutfeld this weekend. Gutfeld was talking about it, and he said, and he pointed out that in the during the Holocaust, this is what Greg Gutfeld said, not what James Golden is saying. Greg Gutfeld, the guy at Fox, he pointed out that some people use the same kind of analogy about what happened to. Jews in World War II that were sent to the death camps, that some of them that developed survival skills managed to survive. And, and the criticism came down from the White House, from the usual entire left, dumped on his head for Wait, saying what, that. what the hell? I never even heard that. I never heard anybody say, yeah, but... You know, think of the Jewish people who learned well, if to you read the get book, by on fewer calories or something. That's wildly stupid. The point of the Holocaust was to exterminate the Jews. The point of slavery was not to exterminate black me. people. Mm. There's a huge difference. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What? You know what? Y'all don't have to listen to black people tell you that something's offensive. Just go ahead and have your way. Mm-hmm. Keep your way and just, just, just ignore us. Because we don't know what we're talking about when we tell you the way that you are perceived by black people. Just ignore us, like you've been doing, okay, as a party. And just say, we know better, and y'all are stupid if you actually think something. Just keep it up. Because I'm telling you something, this is sickening. But James, every time, Every time a black person opens up their damn mouth in this party and says something... And this was a minor criticism. This is a guy, once again, who has devoted, he and his family have spent more time trying to help educate people. This is what they spend their life doing. This is not some issue that doesn't affect them. This is what they do. And they come out and say, hey, you know what, this thing is problematic. you got a good program here, but you got a little issue. And instead of just freaking listening to them, here you go. Oh, well, you're a rhino. You're a rhino. You're a this. Well, you know what? Y'all kiss our ass because I'm tired of it. You can't say anything to white Republicans and, le- and if you're black about the way that you actually are experiencing life in your own culture without having people coming down on you. So stay there. Keep calling them stupid. Keep calling everybody stupid that objects to this kind of stuff. And keep thinking, oh, you're just rhinos and you don't really mean it. Okay? Because it's, it's, I'll tell you what, I am, I'm with John James, I'm with Tim Scott, I'm with Byron on this. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted with the reaction from this party. We are the ones that take the heat 
for actually all the time, every day. We're the ones, not you, called every kind of name in the book. The Uncle Toms, the this, the that, that we have to put up with every day of our freaking lives when we talk politics. And the minute we raise our hand and say, you know what, something said that's, 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 that is harmful to the party, the way that it will be used, then we have to listen to all this crap about how we're rhinos and we're this and, and we're that. I don't that. know who's calling people rhinos. Christina the, Park, his spokesperson came out. Okay. And then DeSantis, Whatever, and then take DeSantis, it up with her. Don't be screaming at me. But uh, here, I will here. tell you this. If the criticism is of the left and you say, well, there's a point to the... You're taking... The problem I have with most of what the Republicans in Congress do, James, is they immediately cede the point, whatever Democrat... We're going to introduce a... Uh, green energy, but we're going to introduce Obama. Just use Obamacare. We're going to introduce Obamacare. Well, the federal government has no business being involved in the health insurance business. But Republicans, Agreed. rather than Agreed. point that out, rather than point that out and stick to their principled guns, they go, "Here's our version of it. Here's our here's what we would do. It's much smaller." <laughs> yes, and yes, and what do right. they do? What do they do? They go, you give the voters a choice. This person's going to vote. This person says they'll give you a dollar. Vote for them, they'll give you a dollar. But our Republican plan is vote for us and we'll give you 50 cents. Well, who the hell's going to vote for the person that gives them 50 cents when you see the concept that you should, the government should be giving people money in the first place? You seed the concept with the criticism rather than say, look, this is ridiculous. It's a poorly worded thing, but it doesn't matter. The point is the same. It's the, the way it is mustered. You see what I'm saying? Hmm. I, I well, lived through eight years of Larry I do Hogan. I see what you're saying, Derek. Look, I agree with you on most of the, I agree with you on most points. What I don't understand is your obstinance and your, this, this, this obstinance that you have. And admitting that Byron and and Tim and John and me, well, we might have a point. It's like, no, y'all don't have a point. Just shut up and go away. Well, I didn't say shut up and go away. But I don't know that you have a point. The point is a Camilla point. When you admit yourself that the line is irrelevant, the line is not not saying what Camilla said. Instead of attack going, right, you know what? Like beating this, the head against the wall. This line is problematic. They, you, they don't listen. How about they? They? No, you just sit well, there. Well, I'm just Cam- saying. Camilla has this criticism. You. Well, Camilla is wrong. Was it inartful? Maybe. But it's wrong. She's lying about this. Instead, so if many. If it's inartful, what's your problem in just saying it's inartful? Let's get rid of it. Why not say that it's inartful, but that the vice president is full of crap? That's what Byron Biden Donald said. has walked back and clarified his position more. DeSantis's team hasn't. Donald's has. Tim of course, Scott's running for president, DeSantis's they're looking for advantage. I love this you, is, Ron DeSantis. I think you politics, guys are so James, off the top. You off recognize tone. that smell? It comes out of the. Rear You're not going to tell bowl. me I don't recognize politics, okay? And I'm telling you how to circumvent. Look, I tried to... Never mind. (sighs) Does it matter at all that it was written by two black scholars? Yeah, it does. Doesn't seem And I understand what that... Look, Walter Williams, Walter Williams, the great Walter Williams, my mentor on many things, used to point something out that came as a shock to a lot of people. 
He said that even during slavery, there was entrepreneurism. That in some cases, some of the slave owners, and he had documented this in some of the books that he had, would, quote, unquote, allow their slaves to go and do night jobs where they could keep the money, and they had skills that let them do that. Okay, those were instances. Walter Williams also used to point out, and he had a picture in his office that used to, I mean, people hated this. He had a picture in his office of a regiment of black Confederate soldiers, and people hated to see that because he was, Walter was about truth, and he was a historian. Right. Mm-hmm. And he didn't back down from anything either. He was just like, look, if this is, I love Walter Williams. So I understand the dynamics and the nuances here. It's not like I don't understand the nuances here. What I don't understand is this willfulness. Will, you got how many black people in the Republican Party? Five of them. And three of them, the DeSantis campaign has gone on the attack with. Really? This is well, what you want to do? This is smart politics? Really? So you're not advocating that black people should be treated, black Republicans should be treated differently by Republicans, do you? Because they are going after DeSantis. Two are surrogates of the Trump campaign, and one is an opponent of of the DeSantis campaign. So to, is it beyond the pale to look at what campaign surrogates and a rival campaign would and be no, doing or saying as the pale, politics? But it is it's also not beyond the pale to look at what they're saying and say, you know what, maybe they have a point. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have a point. Mm-hmm. That's all. And maybe if we disagree, just say we disagree with you instead of trying to call them a bunch of rhinos. Maybe that. Maybe saying, well, we disagree. Maybe we disagree with Byron. We disagree with Tim. We disagree with uh, John James. We disagree with Snurdly. But they're not rhinos. They stood up for the conservative cause when damn near nobody else would as black people. Maybe you don't throw them under the bus. Maybe that. We got to take a break. James Golden, a.k.a. <laughs> Maybe you don't throw DeSantis under the bus in the first place. Maybe everybody stop. Maybe instead of Republicans. I'm not trying to under look, the bus. The one thing Republicans I are exceedingly good at, James, and you know this, is firing down our own trench. We're very good at firing. We're the Keystone cops. We pull I the pin on the that. grenade, and then we drop it right at our own feet in a group of our own team. The Democrats. Look, don't I'm not do trying that. to hurt Ron DeSantis. I'm trying to help these guys at, at least come on, start understanding a little bit of the nuances. I know their whole campaign is that we never back down. We never back down. When when you when your guys are saying something stupid, you back down. And calling Byron Donalds a rhino is stupid. Back down from that. I, I, I disagree with him. That's fine. James Golden, Snurdly, on WABC Talk Radio 77. We're coming back right after this. This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. 
1987, by the way, the reason we played the four tops in the last one was Michigan State Governor James Blanchard had declared the annual statewide Four Tops Day. That would be today. Honoring the Four Tops contribution to American music. That happened in 1987. Derek Hunter is here with me. Derek, uh... What about Hunter? What about Hunter? I think he said an idiotic thing about the Florida State curriculum and the attacks. Wait, no. (laughs) (laughs) Such an ass. I'm I'm just reading Byron Donald's comments, and I say, okay, I can see what the DeSantis people were talking about. But, hey, what are you going to do? Look, I find it interesting. I went back through a bunch of uh, clips of Joe denying any knowledge of his family, not just Hunter's <laughs> business, but his family's business. Mm-hmm. And Joe's mm-hmm, defense mm-hmm. seems to be, I'm a horrible person. I'm not corrupt. I'm a horrible person. I never imagine Explain that. What do you mean? I never discussed my son's business, my brother's business, anybody in my family's business with them. Never. You never just, and he said he didn't, he deliberately refused to have those conversations because he didn't even want the appearance of a conflict of interest. Well, that's a lie. It's, it's unbelievable that somebody would sit there and go and take zero. I mean, I guess you could say he took zero interest in Hunter and maybe that's why he turned to drugs. But could you imagine if your parents were like, so, uh, how are you? I'm good. Work was, hey, shut up. Don't talk to me about work. I don't want to hear one damn thing about your work. I don't ever want to hear anything about your work. They've taken no interest in your work. That doesn't mean that there are it no conflicts the smell of interest. Test. It doesn't. That doesn't pass the smell test. Right. But it also doesn't excuse conflicts of interest. Your ignorance that your son is on the board of Barisma doesn't. Uh, did he talk to you about oil and gas? industry oh, in ukraine oh, oh, at all oh, oh derek wait 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 just because you didn't know why he michelle was doing goldberg, it doesn't mean it wasn't a conflict michelle what? goldberg has written a piece in the new york times today and i if you i hope you have a chance to read it about how republicans are pulling off this barisma thing but this whole barisma thing the way republicans have used it is just terrible. She's an idiot. That this prosecutor was actually, yeah, well. Yeah, no, I was joking. He was, uh, he was wildly corrupt. Everybody in Ukraine was corrupt. That's why the Bidens were doing business in Ukraine. But to sit there and say, oh, no, I didn't know that my son was on the board of this company is beyond laughable. Now we've got... If we could find the proof of this $5 million, then it's game over. If we find overseas bank accounts, if we can untangle the mess of 19 LLCs for a family that produces nothing, that offers nothing, what is Hunter doing? What does Hunter do? Hunter was uh, hired out of college by MBNA, and within two years, he was a senior vice president at MBNA Bank in Delaware because MBNA was the biggest donor to his father's campaign. Hunter Biden was put on the board of Amtrak because he had a model train kit as a kid? No, because his father single-handedly kept Amtrak alive with taxpayer money because it was his vanity project. Nothing these people do passes the smell test. And for Joe to sit there and say, I never never discussed business with them, 
It doesn't matter. Did you ever discuss the topics of their business? You're not knowing why they're discussing something with you, if I believe him and I don't believe him, but you're not knowing why is not an excuse. You called Hunter the smartest man you know. You'd be a special kind of stupid, and I wouldn't put it past Joe, but you'd be a special kind of stupid to refuse the counsel of the smartest person you know, on top of being a horrible father who wants no knowledge of your son's life and you're never going to discuss your business with your child or what you're doing with your child. You'd be a horrible person that would drive somebody to drugs and prost... Wait, never mind. <laughs> now, uh, on Monday, we're supposed to hear from Devin Archer. Yeah, Hunter's well, I think that's in a closed partner. session, so I'm not sure we're going to right. hear about it. Well, we should be able. Somebody will leak something. There'll be leaks, that, but it's not the same. Right. Congress is adjourned for August, well, so this is a closed do. door. And this isn't unusual, is it? Where they have a session, even though no, it's trans. Even, most of the January sixth committee hearings they were filmed, but they were transcribed, and then they were cut together by that ABC producer for the most effective made-for-television moment when they decided to go prime time. But no, most of what Congress does is. Behind closed doors. I don't understand why Devin Archer's testimony would be behind closed doors. It's not as though he has classified material that would be discussed, but whatever. All right. But supposedly he's going to lay out the $5 million bribe from the Ukraine businessman, supposedly. Well, you know, now that I think about it, there's might be a good reason to have this behind closed doors. You're much more likely to feel more comfortable in a private-ish setting, and you get things on record, and then you have the public hearing a little bit later Mm -hmm. where you might be a little apprehensive about talking about things, but they can say, you said before this, that, and the other thing, and then you can get them to Were you surprised that the judge actually asked questions here and actually got to the bottom uh, that produced the fact that supposedly the prosecution didn't even know the own their own scope of their indictment. They and, knew the scope of the indictment. They didn't want the judge to know it. They did not give her ah, the complete plea agreement. They knew uh-huh. exactly what it was, but they didn't want to admit to it in open court. The judge asked some basic questions, and they discovered, no, no, it's not absolute immunity, Your Honor, on everything. You could decide that he has violated uh, whatever, some law that's important enough to prosecute him, and then you can charge him. Well, that's not how our judicial system works in any way, shape, or form, and thank God. Just like you see these people going, Congress should have this person arrested. That's not the power of Congress. Our government has very specific defined powers. Now, granted, the left has been trying to bastardize them since the beginning of the progressive era, but... These are very well defined. So you could arguably say, look, you you have immunity, even though we don't say you have immunity, because the mechanism we set forth in this deal to charge you with anything else is unconstitutional. So we can't charge. We effectively can't charge you. But we don't say you have immunity, which is what the prosecutors and the defense attorneys cooked up. And then they hid that from the the judge until the day of. And the judge said, this seems a little bit weird because it's wildly and obviously unconstitutional. This is the kind of deal you get, James, when your defense attorneys are on the same team as your dad's prosecutors. Yep. Now, 
it, so now that it's blown up, do you expect them to come back, Derek, with a deal that actually would pass scrutiny from this judge? Yes. It is going to be a behind-the-scenes pinky swear that that they will. <laughs> all right, all right. I know we can't put in this absolute blanket immunity, but I promise you we won't do it. And we will take the careers in the Delaware field office and make sure that they somehow set, if if Republican wins in 2024 and they start sniffing around this, we will do X, Y, and Z to violate your constitutional rights and thereby negating any charges we can give you. It's going to be something like that. They can't have it in writing, but it's going to, they're, they're evil. They're not stupid. Wow. We've got to take one more. And then we're going to come back and wrap it up with Derek Hunter. And your calls, I see your calls there. We're going to take your calls. 800-848-WABC. 800-848-WABC. Derek's going to see Barbie tonight. Are you going to wear pink, Derek? Why would I be any different than any other Saturday? Of course I am. James Golden, a.k.a. Thirdly WABC. You're playing Grease. That's basically this generation's Grease. You went and saw Grease, didn't you? No, I did not. Never saw Grease, never wanted to see Grease. Never Won't saw Grease? Well, you, you missed Olivia Newton-John in the missed leather it. pants at the end. Missed it. Didn't care about Grease. Mm-hmm. But in 1978, the film soundtrack to this Grease featuring Travolta and Olivia Newton-John went to number one on the U.S. album charts. And no, ooh, 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 I how didn't see did Grease. Never, how do you live a life never having seen never Grease? Never wanted to see Grease. I never Just wanted like to I see Grease see either, Barbie. but you couldn't avoid it. They all over TV constantly. And they had an on and off switch, and I turned it off. Man, you're as much fun as a trip to the dentist. <laughs> Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-296-1325, 800-296-1325. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Call 800-296-1325, 800-296-1325. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Sean, what are you doing? Get in my car. So why are you walking to work? <sighs> Thanks, man. It's these insanely high gas prices. They're draining my bank account. I can't afford to drive anymore. Dude, don't walk. Just do what I do because I never pay full price for gas anymore. I use the free Upside app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Oh, wait. You're telling me you get paid cash when you buy gas with the Upside app? Yes, I get real cash back every time I buy gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code DOLLAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's promo code DOLLAR. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code DOLLAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code 
code DOLLAR. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. Join me for Ramsey Mazda's Sundays with Sinatra. Tomorrow night, starting at 6. It's old blue eyes through the decades. Swing in with Quincy, Cole Porter, Count Basie, and Nelson Riddle. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. One of my favorites, Layla. Derek and the Dominoes. But you know, on this day in 1966... It was Eric Clapton, Jack Bruce, and Ginger Baker who made their live debut. Not as Derek and the Dominoes, as Cream. But, you know, Eric Clapton, we'll play Layla. Because I love Layla. I still love Eric Clapton. I'm trying to remember. Derek, who was the, uh, that lady Stole that was... his best uh, friend's Bill? wife. And remain best friends with him. Not many people. If Hunter Biden can stoop his dead brother's wife, oh, don't let me go there. Let me ask you a question. Who was that woman that was the um, um, let me the Surgeon General on the Bill Clinton? Do you remember who Joyce she was? Elders. That's right. She, we had a clip of her which we played for years on Russia's show. She called him Eric Clattner. Eric Clattner. <laughs> Eric Clattner. Did she had a bit of a Cajun with... drawl. Don't be so racist. <laughs> Eric Clapner. <laughs> oh man, uh, let me ask you, let me ask you a question about this. Um, the Democrats are saying now that they want to craft a proposal uh, to deal with the middle class. That they want to appeal to the middle class. They're very worried because Bidenomics is not perceived as being so good for the middle class. They want forcing the class people to, to pay fifty thousand dollars for a new electric vehicle, not super middle class. Forcing people to retrofit their homes with. $40,000 worth of solar panels, no matter how much of it you subsidize, not super middle class, taking away people's gas stoves and water heaters and things like that, not super middle class. But other than that, Democrats are totally super middle class. Mm. Yeah, I wonder. And then and then Kamala Harris went out and said she was trying to, uh, she, she said that most Americans can't afford a $400 unexpected yeah, expense. $400 worth away, $500, a $400 bill away from, from bankruptcy. Bidenomics. Yeah. Bidenomics. Now, of course, she didn't adjust it for inflation. It's now a $300 bill, but that's beside the point. <clears throat> so if you, if you had to pull out your, your crystal ball right now, Mm-hmm. And you had to look ahead, and regardless of whether the nominee is, and I love, by the way, what Donald Trump said. I remember when you hated Donald Trump, mm-hmm. so to hear you support him now is good because I remember Derek that you used to hate Donald Trump, and um, he said the other day, "Look, even if I get convicted, I'm going to still run." And so, of course, the, the newspaper headlines: Trump will run from prison if he has to. But I do love the fact that they, that this guy is just not going to give in to these charges. Now, are you expecting, like I'm expecting, this thing in Georgia to be another bunch of indictments? They're already putting barricades out in front of the Fulton County Courthouse. Uh, then you had this 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 prosecutor, Jack Smith, 
do a superseding indictment against Donald Trump, load up even more charges. The day after the Hunter Biden deal fell apart because they needed a distraction. Yeah. They probably got a few more chambered, too, just in case. So what do you think? What do you think happens here? Well, I think the Georgia case is weak. I was just reading on Twitter. By the way, if Donald Trump were in prison, he wouldn't be and ran for president. He wouldn't be the first person to do that. Remember the old socialist leftist Eugene V. Debs? I believe. I don't remember Debs. I thought you were going to say Lyndon LaRouche. No, I don't. Was Lyndon LaRouche ever in prison? Yeah, I think so. Eugene Debs ran for president in, uh, he ran three different times, but I think in 1920, it's a David Petruccia book that documents it really well. In 20 or 24, he ran for president from prison. So it's Mm. been done. Now, the question of the uh, charges, I look at what's going on. Let's see, uh, according to Byron York right now, eight minutes ago on Twitter, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's indictment of Trump is weak and politically motivated. We still don't fully know what it all involves. Trial scheduled for 3-24-24. Now Bragg hints he might defer on the scheduling to special counsel if there is yet another indictment of Trump. The situation in New York was just about sort of breaking the dam charging Trump with something. They still, they're unclear of it. I don't understand why Trump's lawyers didn't go in like a couple of rabid spider monkeys with motions to dismiss at the arraignment with cause, with prejudice, and say this is garbage and calling it out, except for the fact that it made him more popular because it was so politically motivated and he raised a bunch of money off of it. Seems like a stupid reason to keep this going. I think the vindication would do better. But the case... With the documents, I don't, it's more nuanced law, still seems like garbage, but I'm not going to, I can't dismiss it out of hand because there are underlying crimes there. It's the selective prosecution, which I think is the BS thing there. The stuff with Georgia and that phone call is garbage. It's just, you know, we need to get these votes. We need to find, the, it was not orders to manufacture votes. It was not election interference. Exactly. It's a local hack trying to make a name for herself in certain circles and ingratiate herself to the Democratic Party. It'll work. It'll work. And then uh, the January 6th stuff, I don't know where that stands. I, I, I can't comment on what might happen in the future and something that I don't know about. Gotcha. Where can people find you, Derek? Townhall.com, four days a week. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. This morning there's a particularly raunchy week in effing review. The news talked about the way it deserves to be. Mm, mm, mm. I want you to please pay attention to Barbie and tell us about it. I'm, I'm serious. I really want to know what's in this movie from your perspective next week, okay? If it's not nudity, and I hope I'm going to have, have difficulty with... paying attention, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I hope you have fun tonight, Derek. Thank you. Derek Hunter, ladies and gentlemen, James Golden, Snuggly coming back. Your call is coming up. We're going to stop down for some news. After that, you, me, Saturday morning, radio extravaganza, more coffee, more me, more you at 800-848-WABC. Don't go away. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Our hour number duo, and this is where we usually have a chance to check in with WABC News and Noam Layden. Noam, you did a story in the first hour that I'm interested in uh, just, just, just hearing a little bit more detail about. This is, you, you mentioned the statistic that I found shocking, actually. The number of people that do not have air conditioning in New York, even though, of course, you, you mentioned that the heat wave will break tonight. What what's and and you said Mayor Adams is considering some legislation. What's going on? Yeah, so Mayor Adams uh wants to require landlords to provide air conditioning to tenants like they do heat in the wintertime. And he's pointing to all these stats. He during uh, some press conferences he held this week ahead of this, you know, short heat wave. It's gonna end today, thankfully. He was saying that there's this racial disparity in terms of who dies amid oh. these um, you know, overheated moments in New York City. And he said it's usually in black and brown communities. And so he said we need to get air conditioning to those people so that they know if they rent a house or a home or an apartment, whatever, that it comes with A C. But um you might not be surprised, building owners are saying, wait a minute. You're going to saddle us with this, but then we're going to have to raise the rent if you do that. And so um, if you want us to do that, okay, but that's going to have to be calculated into the number. Huh. I didn't. First of all, I, this is I didn't hear the part about the racial disparity. Number one, when I grew up, did you have air conditioning when you grew up in? in, in I did not. Actually, I take that back. We had one room in the house that had a portable unit in the window. And so when it got really, uh, no, you would think they would have. That would have been smart. It was like this little area that was where the TV was. And so when it got really bad, which I don't think, by the way, happened that often, we would all, you know, huddle in that room and cool off in there. Yeah. I didn't, we didn't have air conditioning when we had fans, right? And that was it. You had some fans and, and, and it, I remember it being unmercifully hot sometimes. So, you know, I get older people can't tolerate the heat. I'm surprised that this is just a racial thing like everything else these days. Black and brown people, worse hit. Okay, fine. Um, but the fact of the matter is there is some truth to what landlords are saying. If you do impose another mandate, they're going to have to pay for it. If they have to pay for it, they're going to pass along the cost, or they should pass along the cost. That's the way business usually works. So I wonder if this is this proposal will get anything. You also, Noam talked about another story that I had intended to talk about. I have the story here. Um, the story I have is get forked. New York City is banning restaurants. Yeah, <laughs> from giving customers takeout utensils. Uh, you know, I, 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 what the, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, it is. It does seem like a crazy story. So, you know how big Grubhub and all those other delivery services are. I mean, they're bigger than you know. It started, of course, with COVID, but it just it's remained huge business for most of these companies that deliver food all over the city. And it's always been kind of yeah. big in New York City, anyway. So, you know, when you get that order, Bo, a lot of times there's. You know, a fair amount of stuff in there that you probably don't need, but there is stuff you do need. So there'll be, you know, ketchup packets or duck sauce, duck sauce if it's Chinese food, napkins, utensils. And so what the city council and the mayor have said is that a lot of that stuff ends up in the dump, that you never use it and it's un- unused, that, you know, this, these delivery orders are going to homes or whatever. So, and napkins, by the way, that's the other thing they want to get rid of. So beginning Monday, if you order something on like Grubhub or from your local pizza parlor or whatever, if you don't specifically tell them, I want a fork, a knife, a ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, napkins, whatever it may be, your order will come just with the food and nothing else. Do you... Okay, this is. <sighs> <laughs> These are the priorities. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, there are going to be a lot of people who, of course, forget who don't know that they have to now specifically say it. So they won't. They're just going to assume that the utensils are going to be in the bag like they always are. And I can tell you, I have been in that situation, by the way, maybe you have too, where you order something and it doesn't come with the utensils. And you're like, what do I do now? Uh, you know, my you, mother used to tell me not to sweat the small stuff, but there's that gets me more angry than almost anything is when that order, because <laughs> we order out a fair amount, you know, and when the order doesn't come with all the things you need to eat a meal, I mean, that's outrageous. I get so angry. I Sometimes, you know, I'll go into the app and say, I didn't get this, or I'll call the restaurant and say, what's up with that? Right. Okay. Once again, New York City Council and the mayor think they know better than businesses how to run their businesses, I guess is the the underlying headline of that story. Norm, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I don't want to take you down the political path I'm about to go now because the companion story to that I have are these hood rats that beat up this New York City cabbie. They beat the snot out of this 60-year-old man, suffered chest, neck, and face injuries, and and this happened, I believe it was on 34th Street and 6th Avenue. Yep, right, 34th and 6th. This is right downtown. And guess what? They've been released. They beat the snot out of this man, and they've been released. And this guy is fuming the cab driver. He said he's had some not-so-nice things to say about Mayor Adams, and he's also saying that, you know, every day that he drives a cab, he's being abused in New York. He's blasting this cabbie, 60-year-old taxi driver, Afzal Butt, 60 years old. He's blasting New York's lenient bail reform laws. He says it's a horrible system. If they're not going to put these people behind bars, this is a horrible system. I'm hopeless, and I'm helpless. And absolutely right. This man has two adult children. He lives on, in Upper Manhattan. A group of five of these hood rats. He had pulled over to clean up food that an unrelated crew of scooter drivers tossed into his car. So people, he, he's, he's got his car. Another group of hood rats throw food in his car from the scooter. 
The group accused him of, quote-unquote, nearly hitting them when he pulled over. Instead of him just saying, okay, they were walking by, they, they were saying that he was trying to run them over. He said, no, I'm just trying to clean my car. They broke his side window, and they assaulted him, and then three more people jumped in. They're hitting and kicking this man all over. He says his eye socket swollen. He was dizzy, lightheaded. Arms, knees, hips. Taken to the hospital. Two suspects, a 35-year-old, Howard Coley, and a 51-year-old woman, Natalie Morgan, arrested on the spot. Three of the other hood rats remain at large. And what happens? They're released. They're back on the street. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you can't get ketchup and you can't get napkins in your food order because this is what New York is worried about. This is what the mayor is worried about. This is what your city council is worried about. They're worried you might get a napkin that you don't need. You might get a a, 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 a one of those little dealies of ketchup that you don't need. And you might throw it away. I'll tell you. The priorities of the left are amazing. What the left thinks are, is important is simply amazing. Yes, your calls are coming up, and we're going to spend a lot of time on the phone this hour. Many of you will be glad to know that the University of Chicago has a new college course. If you want to spend however many thousands upon thousands of dollars it takes to send your child to the University of Chicago, or you want to take out a student loan for goodness knows how much money, to go to the University of Chicago, you can now register for the class Queering of God. Yes, my friends, there is a class Queering of God. Here's how the class is described at the University of Chicago. Can God be an ally in queer world-making? Is God queer? What does queerness have to do with Judaism, Christianity, or Islam? This course introduces students to foundational concepts in queer and trans studies by focusing on queer Jewish, Christian, and Islamic theologies. I never knew that there was a queer Jewish, Christian, or Islamic theology. But you can get all three at the... Queering of God course that is now being taught at the University of Chicago. And they're going to also analyze the way the contemporary artists, activists, and scholars are using theology to reimagine gender. Imagine that. And experiment, and you can experiment with new relational forms, whatever that means. Our readings will include a variety of genres, memoir, letters. Uh, um, they can also study scripture. 
well, scripture interpretation and a novel. So there you go. Urge your kid, go to the University of Chicago, spend a few thousand dollars and take a course on is God queer and what does queerness and, and understand the theology of queerness if you're Jewish, Christian, or Islamic. Derek Hunter alluded to this earlier. There's a story today that is in the Daily BS. You can enjoy your water heater, but you better do it while you still can. It's not just your gas stoves. July 21st, Joe Biden's Department of Energy released a new proposed energy efficiency standard for water heaters. Now they're coming after your water heaters and your heat pumps. And this is designed, of course, to quote-unquote force them into more efficiency, and it is undoubtedly going to cost you more money when these standards are put in place, if they are put in place. The standards for gas-fired water heaters are going to become more strictly. This is part of what the Joe Biden, this is what Joe Biden's administration is doing. They're trying to drive gas, fossil fuel, powered appliances out of your home. I made it a point on a show earlier this week to ask you all to remember the days when Democrats used to demand that the government stay out of your bedroom. These liberals used to walk around, we don't want the government in our bedroom. We need to stay under our bedroom. Well, okay, so you supposedly kicked the government out of your bedroom, and now Joe Biden is in every other room in your house. Every other room that gets powered by energy, these people are in, in your house. And they love your kitchen. They're going to tell you to get rid of your gas stoves and put electric stoves in, except for them. Because one of the things that Democrat liberals, they're great at, these elected officials, they're great at making sure that the rules apply to you and not to themselves. Like John Kerry flitting all over the world. There's a funny video I saw on social media. He was trying to lie about his use of private planes, claiming he didn't own one. And then finally he was backed in the corner. Well, my wife owns one. Here's a guy that wants you to stop flying. But he flies all around the world because he has to in a private plane because he's John Kerry and he can't be on the same plane with you riffraff ordinary people. He needs privacy. So here the government is, not just in your kitchen, not just in your takeout food if you're in New York, making sure that you don't get a ketchup that, that you can't or a napkin too many. Here they are demanding that landlords pay for air conditioning because don't you know it's racist if they don't. But oh, no, no, keep the government out of our bedrooms. Just let's put the government in every other ask every other room that you have and make sure that your takeout orders don't have an extra napkin in them or a fork. Goodness sakes, you might throw away a plastic fork, and the government can't have that. Meanwhile, they can release the hood rats 
that continue to beat down innocent citizens. They can just let them go in and out, put them back on the streets so that they can assault more people because they're doing such a splendid job of running this city, don't you know? 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800. We've got a full deck. We're going to start with phone calls when we get back. 800-848-WABC. It is a Saturday morning extravaganza. I am James Golden. I am Bo Snurley. This is WABC. We are the crown jewel of American radio. I'm glad to have you with us this Saturday. Don't go away. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Help, I need somebody. Help, W.A. Beatles C. Help, you know I need someone. James Golden, it's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. The Beatles bring us back. Let's head to the telephones. People have been waiting. Larry in Brooklyn, New York, you're up first. How are you, Larry? Okay. Uh, let me just get the phone. Hold on. I wasn't expecting it. Okay. I'm here. Okay, um, Larry. I want to, all right. I want to comment on your conversation with Derek, okay? I understand your sensitivity, but, you know, his comment about firing in the trenches, I really think that said it all. First of all, not all not all white people believe that slavery was 100% bad. And I know that's a sensitive point, but I have to be honest because – and I know you want me to be honest because I'm going to mention two points, and I'm not a historian, and it's not my strong point, but you can elaborate uh, perhaps. Number one – Christianity, and the other one is civilization. Did we not give Christianity to uh, the black man from Africa when they came over? Were they Christianized in Africa? That's number one. Oh, thank you, White Massa. Thank you, White Massa, for taking our religion for us and giving us yours. Thank you so much. Go ahead. Well, did did you in fact have a religion? I don't even know. Yeah, black people had, oh, this might surprise you, black people actually had religions. And, you know, black people actually had civilizations, even in Africa. Maybe you've never heard of things like Timbuktu. Maybe you've never heard the fact that even black people, yeah, even black people, we weren't savages running around and naked with no, with no civilization whatsoever before the white people came to Africa and enslaved us. I know that might sound strange, but that's the fact. There were civilizations in Africa. And they just couldn't wait to become enslaved. Go ahead, continue. Okay, let me make let me make a, another a final point. <clears throat> mm-hmm. First of all, I, I regret, and I think we should all regret that that man was not enlightened enough not to embrace slavery at the time that it was embraced. But once the black what? man was brought over in a very nascent stage, uh, let, and, let, let, let me just stop this right here because I'm I'm sarcasm isn't working. Slavery is evil, okay? And there's no justification for evil. Slavery was evil when it was practiced before chattel slavery, and there's a big difference between the slavery that was practiced prior to 
the slave trade that was, there were a lot of people involved in the slave trade. It wasn't just white people. Black people in Africa sold their own people, in some cases, into slavery. In others, they were people were kidnapped and put into slavery. But that slavery that affected the Western Hemisphere was a different kind of slavery than was practiced in biblical times. In biblical times, and if you go back, you will see that when you talk about even the Israelites that were enslaved, they were allowed to keep their religion. They were allowed to keep their family unit. They were allowed to keep their culture within that evil that they had to suffer. Chattel slavery was completely different. You take a person from their culture. You take a person from their family. You sell them as commodities. You take them from their language, from their religion, from everything that they know about, and use them as if they're just an animal that's working. It was an evil, and there's no justification for this kind of evil except to say that it was an evil. Now, can we say that as a result of this evil, like many other evils in history, that man has come out of it, that people, women and men, have come out of it and managed to Im- to improve their lot in life, of course. And America has shown that people can conquer evil and prosper from conquering that evil. There is no justification that you can make that. And to say that we gave the black man, give the black man anything. Okay? Yes, people have converted some to Christianity. And that's a good thing. That's between God and man. That has nothing to do, nothing to do with the fact that slavery inherently was an evil function. They used to call it the peculiar, this peculiar, whatever it was, industry, this peculiar institution. It was an evil institution, and the ramifications of it are still being felt in America. People, you know, you hear a knee-jerk reaction from ignorant people. They say, oh, that happened 300 years ago. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, all of that. Just stop talking about it. As I've mentioned on this program before, my great-grandmother's husband, and I knew my great-grandmother. I love my great-granny, and that's what we call a granny. Her husband was a slave, an ex-slave. This hasn't been so many generations ago that the impact is still not with us as a nation. Now, should we be using the impact of this to victimize ourselves and to say, well, because this happened, that we should be walking around saying nothing good can happen with our lives? No, it's up to us to make our lives what they are. It's up to us as individuals to rise above whatever circumstances that are negative that are put in our way. But these kind of statements, they're, they're offensive and they are, they're based out of ignorance. That somehow or another justify, try to justify this as something good. It was not good. It was evil. 
And there's no justification for evil except to say that it is evil. Kevin in Boston, you're on WABC. Thank you for the call. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking, Bo. And I mm-hmm. just want to say I want to second your previous caller to say that the interview that you had with Derek and whether or not that he's a solicitor, he should be part of the Donald Trump's uh, legal team because what he spoke of, I cannot believe his attorneys did not bring up on the dismissal right off of the bat before right at the indictment but let's skip over that what prompted my call was i felt for you and i feel for you for what we've been going through for this last decade and a half um and that's going back you brought up ron DeSantis. um some of the curriculum and literature that's been brought out but i also want to bring out a lot of that was based and what you would quote it was from frederick douglas a slave brought up in from one of his guardians on the plantation taught him to read and write became such a close friend where they both were skeptical of one another the first republican with abe lincoln and again many of the people that were held in servitude and it's unfortunate do you, do you know why frederick Douglass never smiled in any pictures Be, because frederick Douglass never wanted to and this is fact frederick Douglass never wanted to have the same political spin put on him that somehow or another talking about these issues of slavery that he was happy that he was part of that happy mindset, that there was such thing as a happy slave. Frederick Douglass hated slavery. And he may have talked about it, but there was, and, and he may have said one or two things that would give you the impression, yeah, he learned how to read and write, but he understood that his people were enslaved. And he worked his entire life to talk about the evil that was slavery and ask America to live up to its words. Now, if you read Frederick Douglass' speeches, which I have, and you go back through, I've read some of them, not all of them. And if you go back through and you look at the history of Frederick Douglass, he was never an apologist for this evil. Frederick Douglass should be taught, as, and is taught, by the way, in the Florida curriculum, but Frederick Douglass, nothing he said should be construed ever as any kind of apologist or giving a bended knee to what happened in America. That would not be historically accurate, and it would not be in keeping with who Frederick Douglass was. James Golden, a.k.a. Snyder, we're going to take a break. Coming back, more of your calls. Stay with us here, 800 We're not going to talk about slavery, y'all, because these slavery discussions just wear me out. So we are not going to talk about slavery the whole show. Trust me on that. But since people have brought it up, we will talk about it. And I am not backing down from my criticisms of the way the DeSantis campaign, not Ron DeSantis, the DeSantis campaign handled Byron Donalds, Tim Scott, and now John James. Keep it up, guys. Show us who you really are. Those of you working for Ron DeSantis, keep it up. And I love Ron DeSantis. 
And I make no mistake about that. I love Ron DeSantis. And I think Ron DeSantis has done so many great things over the past two, three years to demonstrate leadership. But that's not going to stop me from calling it out. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, on WABC, 800-848-WABC, the number to call. Saturday morning, our radio extravaganza. Later on, America's small caffeinated mom will join us. But meanwhile, you, me, telephones, coffee, Saturday morning, and a morning dance coming up. So don't go away on WABC. Summer Madness, cool, and the gang. Ah, yes, I'm going to get up. Okay. Time to get out of the chair. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And at this time, halfway through the program, time to get up. Time to twist it. Time to shake it. Time to move it. Morning dance. Spyro Gyra at this time every week. Reminds us to put that body in motion. Yeah, baby. And it feels good to get up and stretch. Ah, thank you. WABC, you want to be part of the program. 800-848-WABC. That's Morning Dance, Spyro Gyro. And we do our thing now. I was just reminded in the break. You know what? Uh, Christianity was actually in Africa before it was in Europe. So in terms of it giving to the black man, you know, one of the reasons I loved watching The Chosen, Angel Studios, The Chosen, was that it was so historically kind of accurate. It showed the principal actors in The Chosen had were from the Middle East. And they had the look of the Middle East. They were not the European actors. They were the, they were actors that were quote unquote from the location where Christianity was born in the Middle East. And I thought that movie did an incredible job of not only, um, presenting a realistic look but actually, I was blown away by The Chosen. And by the way, it's the same studio that's doing The Sound of Freedom. It's Angel Studios. They're doing amazing work. So, you know, history, if you go back in history, there history is a lot more nuanced than some of the talking points that we rely on. A lot more nuanced. And that's as far as I want to go in that. David, Staten Island, you're up next on WABC as we return to the phones. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you? 
All right, Bo, I would like to make a comment that may apply to the next election. Sarah Palin lost because too many Republicans were in competition for her position, and the Democrats only had one. With the uh, three-choice voting, the Republicans will lose again if they don't straighten that out, and they're going to try to apply that all the way to the White House. All right, let me offer you a let me offer you my point of view based on what you said. Sarah Palin did not lose because there were too many people in the because John McCain, the nominee of the Republican Party, John McCain, John McCain, thankfully, thankfully. I don't even I don't even want to get in. John McCain was one of the worst candidates ever that the Republicans put up because John McCain was not this maverick that liberals and the liberal press loved until they didn't until they started hating him when he actually ran against Obama. John McCain could be depended upon to crush conservatives every chance he got when it was politically expedient for him to do so. John McCain, one of the first things John McCain did, some guy came out on the stage to introduce him, and he mentioned Barack Hussein Obama's name. John McCain immediately went on a tear and started chastising the guy. Oh, you're not, we're not going to put up with that. We're not going to call Barack Hussein Obama Barack Hussein Obama. That's the guy's name. And he tore into his own guy because he used Hussein. Instead of just, and first of all, his name was Barry when he was going to school. Let's be clear about that, too. So the whole Barack thing is a whole nother deal. John McCain was a horrible candidate. Republicans did, lost to Bill Clinton because Bob Dole, and I like Bob Dole. I liked Bob Dole. Bob Dole was an American hero. I loved Bob Dole. But Bob Dole, as a presidential candidate, was a horrible Republican candidate. Where's the outrage? Where's the outrage? That was Bob Dole's campaign. Where's the outrage? Where's the outrage? I'm the bridge to I'm the bridge to the past. Well, Americans didn't want a bridge to the past. They wanted a future. John McCain was a horrible campaign. He ran a horrible campaign. He was a horrible candidate. Bob Dole, American hero. I love Bob Dole. Horrible presidential candidate. Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, one of the worst candidates we ever put up to run for president. I remember a very dear friend of mine, Donna Brosmer. Donna introduced me to Alan West. She was one of the people that was heavily involved in Alan West's first campaign. And Donna one day called me. This is back. I was working with Rush. Donna called me and said, Mitt is going to, uh, Mitt Romney 
is going to be appearing somewhere. Let's go see him. I was like, okay. I went to see Mick. This was before he even announced he was running for president. And I walked out and I said, this guy's a loser. He's not going to win the presidency. Because it's the same old stiff Republican that checks all the boxes on the things you're supposed to say with zero charisma, with zero vision about the way that most people live in America. Republicans lose elections because they put up horrible candidates. And this is what they don't understand about Donald Trump. Donald Trump was the first Republican since Ronald Reagan that ran for president. Yeah, I know he was talking about ranked choice voicing of voting. I got that. Thank you for that, Michi. But he made the statement that she lost because, oh, she lost for Congress. I got it. You're right. Sarah Palin lost for Congress because of I, I when I hear Sarah Palin, I immediately went to the to the presidential campaign. He was talking about the, the this run for Congress that she lost. My apologies. She thank you for that. Yes, she lost in at, in Alaska because of ranked choice voting. But you're still giving me a chance to riff on the the big losses, the presidential losses. I immediately go to president. I didn't think about the Congress race that she shouldn't have been running in the first place. Anyway, um, Republicans put up horrible candidates. Donald Trump was the first Republican that actually talked the language of the American people since Ronald Reagan. Donald Trump came out and said, when he came down that elevator and he said, you know what? Got these immigrants that are coming in the country. Some of them are raping people. Some of them, are, they're sending us their criminals. They're not sending us their best people and blah, blah, blah. Everybody was appalled. OMG, how could he say that? But that's what most people were thinking. Because they're watching and paying attention to the news. And he said, now, I granted this, he will say things that will disturb even his people that support him from time to time. But what people don't understand is he talks the language of the American citizen and understands their concerns. And we don't see that in our presidential candidates. Very often. Now, yes, the caller was talking about the ranked choice in Alaska. And so in that regard, he's absolutely right. Ranked choice in, a, choice in Alaska is another one of these phony election schemes just like ballot harvesting was. And ranked choice is also being used in California. That way they can keep Republicans off the ticket. Because no matter what happens, you get the first two, most of them are going to be Democrats, and they don't have to worry about a Republican going head-to-head with their Democrat candidate. So, yes, it's a voting scheme. Anyway, do we have time for one more call before the break, Nick? We do. Okay. Let us go to Steve in Brooklyn, New York. How are you, Steve? Hi, James. I love the way you handled that bigot. Uh, Bigot is, by any other name, still a bigot. 
Um, I happen to be Jewish, and I got once a similar kind of expression about the slavery in the Old Testament, in the Torah, about the Israelites in Egypt for 400 years. And somebody said to me, well, you know, good came out of that two ways. He said, the pyramids got built. And he also said that, well, Jews learned how to deal with money because they weren't allowed to do anything else. And that's how they learned about gems, because they had to travel lightly with whatever they could to flee with. It had to be light and... You're kidding me! Yep. Someone actually said that to you? Yep, how do you like that? What you said expressed my own thinking. But how on... You know, this is like an epidemic. It's really a kind of a psychological epidemic. You know, people that don't study history, and sadly, history is not taught very much in this country. I remember when I had to take world history for the first time. I was miserable. I'm serious. I mean, you know, I can be honest. I like reading what I like reading about. I love history that I want to know about. You put English history in front of me. You put American history in front of me. I'm all in. You start me going back to the ancient civilizations, my eyes glaze over. Except for perhaps when you start talking about Roman history and early Greek history. And I've had to learn how to read through that. But when you go through history, one of the things that I have learned, through now, now that I've gotten better at reading world history, and going back and reading more. First of all, I'm fascinated by Spanish history. And I wish I had paid attention. Oh, Mr. Mason, where are you? My Spanish teacher, Mr. Mason, how I love that man. But I never really learned how to speak Spanish fluently. And I wish now that I did. Because I would be able to read Spanish in the original text. There is so much American history that is in Spanish archives. And I can only read some of the translations. Remember, America, my fellow Americans, what is our first city in America? St. Augustine, Florida. St. Augustine, Florida happened to have been historically everything that New York is right now. It was a multicultural trading center for worldwide powers. When you go through the history and you see the connection between Spanish history and English, and this is going back to Queen Mary's husband, it is fascinating how that period of time impacts on American civilization right now. But the one thing that I've learned going through history is that every major nation in the world, every single major power, has had atrocities in their history that they would be ashamed of or should be ashamed of. If you go through Japanese history, even though it was a homogeneous society, and you look at what happened in feudal Japan and the atrocities that were committed in feudal Japan to the Japanese people by other Japanese, it is astounding. If you go through Indian history, again, when it was a homogeneous Before colonization society, and you look at 
the caste system that was set up and how brutally oppressive it was. And by the way, the remnant still exists. Despicable. When you go through China's history, pre-feudal Japan, I mean through China, pre-feudalistic China, which is fascinating, by the way, when you start going through the real history of Kublai Khan and that period of time and Genghis Khan. It is fascinating, but you will see atrocities on large scale. When you go through Russian history, it doesn't matter. You can go through the history of mankind is littered with atrocities. But America and the West seem to be the only nations that spend more time beating themselves up today for what happened in the past. Our competitive nations. The Chinese aren't going back looking through their history, moaning and groaning about how awful they were. The Japanese aren't doing that. The Egyptians aren't doing that. Even in in Western or Eastern Europe, they aren't beating themselves up. The barbarians? Does anyone really go? Have you gone back through and looked at what the bar this term barbarians at the gate? was a real thing because of who the barbarians were and what they did. But you don't find folks over in Europe going, oh, you know, we had these awful barbarians here. Let's go beat ourselves up and get some reparations from what the barbarians did. No. If you live in a society, you are supposed to be forward-thinking. America is one of the only, we are the superpower of the world. And yet we spend more time beating ourselves up over our history than any other nation in existence. Instead of looking forward and facing forward to what we can do to not only help ourselves prosper, but help the world prosper. James Golden, Snurdly, WABC. Coming back, more of your calls. Phil Collins. From Genesis to Phil on WABC. And this is the Phil and Phil. This is Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. Genesis meets Earth, Wind, and Fire. Easy Lover on WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming back right after this. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. E. W. F. Earth. Wind and fire. This 
This is one of their first big hits. Mighty Mighty. This was the album that had Devotion on it. This came out like a, this, this was a summer song. I forget which year this came out in, frankly. But this blew the roof off. Maurice White, Philip Bailey, Verdine. Verdine just had a birthday last week. Earth, Wind, and Fire brings us back on WABC. Let's head back to the telephones. And let's go to Rick in Elmwood Park, New York. Elmwood Park. Or is that New Jersey? New yes, Jersey. It's Jersey. Hey, Rick, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, James? Good. What, 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 um, what, uh, I want to say province, and I know New Jersey doesn't do provinces. Bergen County. <laughs> where is, where is Elmwood Park? It's not in Bergen County. Where is it? Yes. Yes, it's Bergen County. It's close to Clifton. It is Bergen. Saddlebrook. Oh, okay. Gotcha. We got a little static on your line, so speak right up. All right, let me take you off speaker there. Um, I got a little science for you, but first I figured I would lighten your mood a little bit with an Elizabeth Warren joke, if that's okay. Uh-oh, a joke. All right, <laughs> I'll, I'm game. I'll try it. Go ahead. I hope it's okay. not mean. I don't do mean no, no, jokes. No, okay. it's, not too, it's not too mean. A little ageist. Um, when Elizabeth Warren said she had a little Indian in her, she was talking about the time she dated Geronimo. Okay, I'll take that. Not that, not that funny. All right. <laughs> okay. Now, what is it, a science you want to tell me about? Well, I called about the global warming stuff and the fact that we're getting blamed for it being hot right now. And I just yep. wanted to give you the fact that um, 96, a little more than 96% of all atmospheric CO2 comes from nature, not man. comes mostly from right. the oceans and a little bit from dying biomass. Well, thank you for that. I did a podcast this week that will probably air in the next week, and the entire podcast, it should be called Baby, It's Hot Out Here. It's about global warming. It's about the news stories that surround global warming, and by the way, there are some pretty cool things in it, even though I don't believe that man is responsible for global warming. There are efforts being made in some part, and I'll talk, I talk about this in the podcast, that there are some products coming up now. There's a, a professor out of Purdue, and he and his crew have been working for years to develop, I have to call it whitey white paint. It's like the whitest paint ever. White, white paint. But white paint, the, the whitest of the white, white paint that has ever existed, this stuff is actually amazing scientifically. What it does, if you paint it on surfaces like rooftops, if you paint buildings with it, it reflects, the first round reflected 95% of the sunlight that hit it. Now they've pushed it up to 98%. That means, in all actuality, that if you were to paint your roof with it, for instance, and your house, your house would have temperatures of 10 degrees Fahrenheit less than it would with any other paint. So as a result of what uh, the climate industry, the climate change industry is doing, there are products that are being developed. Another one in Phoenix is now being spread 
over the asphalt. And again, this this product that they're using in Phoenix takes down the temperature of the blacktop by almost eight degrees. They're cons- it's on a hundred miles of uh, roadway right now, and Phoenix is so impressed with it they're going to put it this covering on four thousand square miles around Phoenix. Now Phoenix has been hit with 113 or 118 degree temperatures for the past 19 days. It's hot in Phoenix. It is so hot. But again, and there is, oh, the head of the UN, the UN Secretary General, he declared that we are now past global warming. We are now in global boiling. That's what they're calling it. And they are blaming you. They're blaming me. They're blaming mankind. I've been watching some science programs like I always do. There was one that I'm going to talk about very briefly when we get back because it blew my mind about the sun and about the energy that is coming to us from the sun and how it gets here. And I think that if you really start to delve deep in science, you can understand what a hoax this idea of man-made global warming really is. And you also see that the climate has been changing on Earth since the day that Earth and the creation were created. Oh, and by the way, they were, be cre- they were created. They didn't just spring into existence. Created. Yeah, WABC Talk Radio 77 coming back right after news. Don't go away. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Our number trio is here. Our third hour for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you want to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC, number to call. We have an hour. We're going to spend it, a lot of it, on the telephones with you. Later on this hour, America's small caffeinated mom will join us, Rhonda Schrock. In the meantime, you, me, news, coffee, music, fun, frivolity, serious discussion of issues, all of that. Is what Saturday mornings are all about here on WABC. I mentioned before uh, we headed out for news in Noam. Noam always has some interesting stories. I love listening to Noam, by the way. Noam Layden has the best voice in news. This guy could do anything. Noam should be doing, like, you know those movie things? In a world that's meant that Noam could do all of that. He could do anything. That voice, he can do anything he wants to do. But Noam is a great news guy, and he always brings some interesting news stories. I was sad to listen to Noam talk about the, the kid that they rescued out of the out of Reese Beach has passed away. Oh man, that's just sad. But you know, one of the things that our previous caller talked about the CO two and all of that. I saw a, a, a documentary. I, I'm going to try to get this astrophysicist on one of the astrophysicists because I love the way he describes things. I I love astrophysics. I don't understand at all. I can't explain it all like they do. 
But I mean, I've loved astrophysics. Right. And so one of the things that I was watching is pertinent to all these discussions of heat that are affecting us right now. And that's, of course, our relationship to the sun. If we want to clear, if we want to cure global warming, what, what liberals say is glo- just get rid of the sun and all problems are over. And it has happened, by the way, at several points in human, in our history as a planet. There have been at least two, scientists believe three, mass extinctions on Earth. The first one wiped out over 90% of the sea life, and that was all that there was. Life came back and produced bigger life. Dinosaurs. Eventually out of the second one, the second mass extension, which was caused by, one, there was an event in Siberia, which was a rupture, And what happened with this Teutonic rupture, the world was filled with lava and the heat produced. And as a result, most plant life died, and we had another mass extinction. Out of that came the dinosaurs. And, of course, that dinosaur age was knocked out by a major asteroid event hitting in Mexico, the Yucatan Peninsula. The result of that was that the sunlight on Earth was blocked out. Plant life died. Dinosaurs went with it. Bye-bye. No plants, no food, no whatever. But the survivors of that were smaller mammals. And those smaller mammals, if you go through what science believes evolutionary happened, led to mankind. That's the scientific version of it. But on one of these programs, they discussed the sun. And this, to me, completely blew my mind. If you feel the sunshine on your face now, if you look out there and you see the sun and you feel the light from the sun, what you are feeling is energy in the form of photons, trillions of photons that left the sun eight minutes ago and traveled the distance of 193,000 miles, which is where we are from the sun, to reach us. No, 193,000 miles is more than that. Anyway. I'm not a scientist, so I have to be really careful how I talk about these things. And I don't take a lot of notes. I just watch. And I'm going to start taking notes when I watch these shows so I can get all the little deets correctly. But here's the thing that blew my mind. Yes, it takes eight minutes for those photons to reach us from the sun. And that sunlight, by the way, they showed a beautiful picture of the sunlight hitting a plant. And when that sunlight hits the plant, that's the beginning of photo, that's the beginning of the photosynthesis process where energy 
promotes life. And without sunlight, there would be no life on earth because that energy is then transformed into us, into everything that bears energy on this planet. From the sun. But those photons that are hitting the earth that left the sun eight minutes ago began as gamma photons in the center of the sun. And they stayed in the center of the sun and worked their way up to the sun's surface over a period of one million years. They then transformed into X-rays. And from that, they then reached the surface. And this is a long process, and it deals with the sun's magnetic spheres, which are nothing like our magnetic poles. But over the course of a million years, those photons developed from the center of the sun and emerged to the sun's surface. And after that million-year process, eight minutes later, we get the sunlight. So in other words, the sun that we are now experiencing on Earth, that is giving us the heat that we enjoy today, was planned for us over a million years ago. This is a million-year process to get the sunlight that we are enjoying today. And there are other things that if you go through this, if if it were not for the presence of Jupiter, the super gas giant that is beyond us, Earth would not exist as it does today. Because of Jupiter's gravitational pull, many of the asteroids that would make this planet look like the moon, having been so smashed and cratered, most of those asteroids are taken out of the equation from ever hitting Earth. And they are flung out into other parts of the solar system. Now, one of the things that the astrophysicists never do is actually talk about why, how this happens and why. And there's one reason for this. Why is all of this happening the way that it's happening? The astrophysicists talk about what happened in the one second after the Big Bang. And they break it down into what they call Planck time because these events are so humongous, they take place within the trillionth of a second. But they tell you, we understand all this, but we don't understand how it came to be. (laughs) Many of you understand how it came to be. You know that none of this happened by accident. 
you know that this wasn't some random roll of the dice that we are here. And you know that despite the incredible, incredible design of not just this earth, not just this solar system, but this entire creation, came to be because of God, right? You know that. And so the question was asked to me during the break when it came to this man-made global warming stuff, since when has God given up his sovereignty over the universe, the climate included? That's a great question. And what's the answer to that? He hasn't. One of the days, ladies and gentlemen, I think, and more and more members of the science community are going to have to admit, and they are doing incredibly great work, and I love the work of the astrophysicists today, the things that they are finding out, the ways that they are able to explain it. I mean, they talk about what happened in the Big Bang and what happens within these milliseconds. And then they and there's one part of it that I just love where they discuss that all of a sudden this incredible burst of light appeared in the universe. And all of us and they're like, how did this happen? And anyway, <laughs> let there be light. That's how it happened. And this let there be light was explained to us long before the astrophysicists ever sent first rocket up in space. So when it comes to blaming mankind for the climate and blaming mankind for, we could not, we could not, if we wanted to, be responsible for the climate on Earth. It is way beyond our comprehension, let alone our ability. James Golden, Snurley. Your call is coming up, 800-848-WABC. The angelic voice of Minnie Ripperton. From the Perfect Angel album, Stevie Wonder on keyboards. All right, Nick, who's this? 
Aaron Neville. Oh, really? Aaron Neville? Are you? This is... My bad. <laughs> yeah, this is Aaron Neville. Okay, cool. Titled Summertime. Oh, man, I like this. There, okay, I wouldn't have to ask him. I would, I would have known it's him from The Voice. What a unique voice. Aaron Neville on WABC Talk Radio 77. Hope you're enjoying God's great sunshine out there. Thunderstorms coming later today. Cool everything down. You know, there was a report. Again, I have a podcast a week. We go through about a half an hour of weather-related stuff. And um, it's I'm going to try to condense a little bit of it, I think. But um, one of the things we talked about is some of the products that people are using now to fight heat. And this is not the first time the earth has been hot, folks. When I was a kid, it used to get hot, too. We used to We had a name for it back then. We used to call it summertime. You know, mid-July through August. Yeah, summer. Anyway, let's get back to the telephones. My man Adam in my man Adam in Mineola, New York. Adam, how are you on Saturday morning? Boy, I tell you, I thought I wasn't gonna get through. I've been on the phone for a few hours. <laughs> anyway, sir. I think Adam, I thank you for my... your patience. Thank you for your patience okay. and thank you for waiting. I, I... Yeah, um, I heard, you know, you were speaking about uh, slavery and the Republic of Mr. Donald. And, but, you know, I don't, why do you get worked up about slavery and you go against Black Lives Matter? Like, uh. Why shouldn't see? I? Black Lives Matter is not a, Black Lives Matter is a scam group, man. They don't care nothing about black lives. They care about their black man. Come on, man. Come on. This Patrice Cullors gal that raised all this money by with Black Lives Matter, man. She went out and bought some chill real estate, man. They ain't do. What have they done? What has Black Lives Matter done for black people? Answer me that. I'm talking about Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, okay, being lied on, okay, and their lives ruined, you know, by politicians. People right, but are you ask me a question, to... and I want you not to deflect from it. I want you to give me an answer. What has Black Lives Matter done for black people? One thing. I'm talking about black lives that really matter, not an organization, sir, because you're talking about some dead slaves. You know, that's not really important today. With black lives oh, dead matter... slaves aren't important today? So Excuse what me, happens sir? to your... So your ancestors are not important, huh? No, they are important, sir, but not more than Shay Moss and Ruby Freeman. That people that well, are what living. I that... just, what, what have I just been talking about? I've just been talking about how we should not let the history of our country inflict us so that we're not looking forward. We should not fall into victimization. So I've said what you're saying. We need to now look. If you're going to come at me and you're going to start naming particular injustices. I don't know the cases you're talking about, and please excuse my ignorance on them. I will learn about them. But if you want to start talking about injustices that happen to black people, I can give you a bunch because they happen. 
But here's the other thing. If you want to start talking about injustices that happen to white people, I can give you a bunch because they happen. If you want to talk about the injustices that happen to fat people, I can pull out some because they happen. If you want to talk about the injustices that happen to ugly people, I can find some ugly people and tell you how their lives have been impacted by being ugly because it happens. If you want to talk about people that are mentally ill and how they get hosed, I can find it because it happens. Because life is a series of injustices for people. This was never this earth plane that we live on was never the plane for fairness and justice. It is a plane that exists where there is this dichotomy that goes endlessly between good and evil, right and wrong, light and dark. It is a dichotomy of duality. So we can talk about injustices, and I'm open to it. But I'm just not going to frame injustice as being something that's strictly a racial thing. It isn't. Humanity suffers from injustices every day. And this is the struggle that we have as human beings. We are trying to, those of us that claim to want to have consciousness, we are trying to enlighten ourselves and to live in a way to limit the injustices and to not only do better for ourselves, but to have a better world for our children and to raise the consciousness of people around us and ourselves. So what is your point? My man, Adam, from Mineola. I like you, man. I really do, because you, you show me you got a heart today, and I, I really appreciate you. Um, and, But I know I got to say this. That guy that killed that cop that you was talking to Mr. Giuliani about yesterday, he did 35 years in prison. Yo, so? Dude, he did his time. No, I mean, dude, yo, he did not do his time. The cop is dead. And see, in New York, we used to have this. You talk about injustices. And in, in, in American history, you, we used to have this. I talked about this in, in a few weeks ago. When you look at the foundational American law that came out of the House of Burgesses in Virginia, when you look early on before, the found, before America was founded as a nation and you go back into Virginia law, which dominated a lot of the laws that we saw come out of early America, when you were convicted of something that was a capital offense, they took you out the next day and they hung your ass, except if it was Saturday, because they wouldn't hang you on a Sunday. So then they, you waited till Monday morning, and then they took out and hung your ass. Right now, we have people, this guy, under New York law, should have got the death penalty. He was involved in the assassination, the willful assassination of a cop. And by the way, I did a little bit more digging. This happened in South Jamaica, Queens. This happened in, I used to work in South Jamaica, Queens. My first real job was with the housing authority. Real, real job where I earned real money was with the housing authority in South Jamaica, Queens. In the 40 projects, that's what we call them, the 40 projects. Okay, so this happened over there in South Jamaica, Queens. Okay, and this cop was assassinated ruthlessly. Now, in New York, under New York law, you used to get the death penalty for killing the cop. But just like liberals everywhere, they don't, they ignore the law and the consequences for what you do. It's like in California, they had 800 people on death row. The only one they killed was Snooky. 
I think maybe they got someone, one other person. The other 799 some odd, Governor Newsom just says, oh, never mind. Never mind that they were duly convicted of the most heinous crimes on earth. I'm just going to let them spare themselves the death penalty because I don't like it. They just released one of the Charlie Manson girls in California that stabbed that poor Sharon Tate. They stabbed that girl so much. She was pregnant. They stabbed her pregnant belly and stabbed this woman to death following that wacko nut job, Charlie Manson. She just walked out. One of those girls just walked out of jail. We do not punish criminals in this country if Democrats can find a way to let, you know, Moses back in the day, let my people go. Today you have the Democrats, let my criminals go. Let my criminal people go. Let them go back in the streets to murder and pillage and rape. Let my criminals go back in the streets where they can kill more officers of the law. Let my criminals go so that they can terrorize innocent Americans trying to make a living and trying to protect their families. Let my criminals go. And so American citizens have every right to stand up to Democrats for bastardizing the criminal justice system, for bringing us a two-tier justice system, and for putting the rights of criminals and non-citizens ahead of the rights of American people. My man, Adam, I give you the last word. Thank you, man. Uh, yo, I, I love this show. This is the, this is better than your hour on the weekdays. I love this three-hour show. But anyway, those guys are just soldiers of Happy Mason. You know that. Um, I know years. that. They were trying to ki- They killed a witness that would have put this drug dealer that was out killing black people with his drugs. And you're sitting here telling me about Black Lives Matter? How about all the... I just lost last week one of my childhood friends that was like a little brother to me of a drug overdose. Okay? This happens every day across America. Not just the black people, the white people, the Asian people, the all people. And what you're telling me is that we need to let these criminal bastards that are involved in this evil drug trade, which also involves human trafficking, every other evil on the face of humanity. Oh, just let these people go. You're damn right this cop was killed. He was killed because he was guarding a witness that was going to testify against known drug dealer Pappy Mason. And now you're telling me we need to let this guy out of jail? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, he got released. No, it's coming up in August. Unless oh, okay. we stop it. Unless we stop it. Adam Miniola, I love you. Thank you, sir. <sighs> Thank you. I'll hear from you during the week, my man. See you later. Okay. Susan in upstate New York. You're on WABC. James Golden, a.k.a. Snuggie. How are you, Susan? Oh, I'm just trying to hold it together. Speaking of something that we have to stop, uh, that's an evil, 
that's being secretively, and I'm speaking, I have studied every word of Michelle Bachman, who spent seven days in Geneva at the World Health Assembly, which is the governing body of the World Health Organization, which is an agency of the United Nations, where our um, Biden um, appointees are all in on this global governance, which is being worked out in a very complex um, uh, document. There's two things. You spoke last week about um, someone was questioning the pandemic treaty. Well, Ron Johnson, Senator Johnson, we love him. He had an amendment um, to put for, that went in front of the of the Senate that any treaty, still calling this new thing a treaty, would have to be ratified by the Senate by two thirds. Well, voted down. that was voted, they voted down. down. They voted it yes. down. So there's not going to be any vote. And in that seven-day meeting in Geneva, that was just in May, two months ago, there was not one elected official from the United States. Michelle Bachman is an expert on this. She sat for seven we'll get Michelle days. On. I, spent, to- I spent a few days with Michelle in Europe, Bachman. She was on the uh, the tour that I went on. And I'm going to tell you something. Michelle Bachman is an amazing human being. And, Susan, the things that you're talking about, you know, I understand, and you know me, folks. You know that I talk, and when people start talking about one world government, when they start talking about the 5G towers, or when they start talking about the, uh, what do you call those things? The I start, my my kook antenna starts to go up. And like, oh, 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 here we go in the kook land. Well, let me tell you, what Susan is talking about here, this treaty, and it is a treaty that is being negotiated at the World Health Organization that would grant the World Health Organization power, power to impact what happens in various nations around the world in pandemics. It's something that we should not allow to happen. Susan, darling, you get last word, then I got to go to a break. Okay, so we got to call McCarthy. We got to deluge his phone oh, number. Kevin I know McCarthy. they're on break. No, Kevin McCarthy. This, there's a bill. There's a bill in Congress right now by yeah. Andy Biggs to stop the WHO, to get out of the WHO, to defund the WHO, because this is already in operational stages of the infrastructure to put us on, into a digital gulag that will be connected through digital currency for enforcement. If we don't, and it's really going to be they're really switching to climate change as the next pandemic. Susan, okay, my darling, I love you. I got to go. Break. We're going to talk to Michelle Bachman in coming weeks. Lisa, let's grab Andy Big. We haven't had him on in a little while either. James Golden, aka Snurdly. Sly and the Family Stone. Actually, this is not Sly and the Family Stone. This is Sly Stone. When he left the Family Stone, this was. No, no, no. This was the fresh album. 
He was still with the Family Stone. New bass player, Rusty, came in on this album. Larry Graham had left the group, and Rusty came in. After that, Sly went solo. Yeah, this was actually one of the last big hits he had with Sly and the Family Stone on WABC Talk Radio 77. I promise I'll be there. All right, coming back. Your call's coming up also. America's Small Caffeinated Mom coming up. Don't go away. This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Okay, Nick. You decided to go there, right? I sure did. This is, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with this artist, Nick, tell them who it is. This is Thundercat. He's a uh, modern neo-soul and funk uh, solo bass artist, but he's also well-known for working on Kendrick Lamar's uh, To Pimp a Butterfly album and is a studio bassist for many, many modern uh, musicians in the rap and R&B space. I first heard Thundercat. I heard his solo album. I I was speechless. I heard, when I heard his first solo album. First of all, this guy is an amazing bass player. But then his songs are so Yeah, they're not like this. They're not all like this. They some of them are out there. They're all over the place. Have you ever seen him live? I haven't seen him live. I've only, no. You saw him live? Okay, this guy is an amazing, you know who else is like that to me? Um, have, have you ever listened to Esperanza Spaulding? I have not. Okay, you need to check out Esperanza Spaulding. She's a female bassist. She's young. She is amazing. I think I know who you mean. I've seen her on Instagram. She's incredible. Now, Esperanza has this record called Emily D, Emily's D Plus Evolution. The first time I listened to it, I thought I was listening to an, a, 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 a musical train wreck in progress. I thought it was the most horrible, beautiful thing I've ever heard. It was so horrible. It was hurting my ears, but at the same time, it was so beautiful. And I couldn't figure out what she was doing in certain parts, but it was just like this. It, it, it was a train wreck of beauty. And she she's off on a different she's music on a whole different level. It's avant garde stuff. It's it's just amazing. But Emma, she won. I think when she came out in two thousand eight, she was sixteen, and I think that her first album went up for a Grammy. She's really an incredible artist. Basically, one of those. Any, uh... Sorry, yeah, bass is one of the, What are you going to say? I was just going to say, yeah, bass is one of those amazing instruments that sits, you know, between the melody and the uh, and the rhythm section. And, and you know, I I didn't think you could have a a more virtuosic bass player than uh, Jacob Pastorius, but uh, since Thundercat oh. and some others, you know, you, I've really seen some people shine lately. Th- that, that would be Jaco Pastorius. My fault. Jaco and and. There is still no other bass player like Jocko. He changed the game for everybody. 
That would be, and Jocko was amazing too. I mean, we have some Jocko, I think. Well, one of these days, I'm going to get some Jocko in here because he was, he was just amazing. All right. Back to the telephones we go. Uh, Pauline has, Paulie has been holding on for a while, a long, long time. Paulie, welcome you on WABC. How are you? Good morning, James. I was wondering, we talked a couple weeks ago, if you ever found that song, like Free to Pain. Yes, Bring the Boys Home. It's not in the library yet, but I found it. I have the album, and I dug out the album. And I yeah, Free to Pain. Cousin Brucey, and they, they didn't even know what I was talking about. Yeah, it was a, it was an R and B song, and it didn't chart on yeah. top forty. That's why. Yeah, you ever gonna play so, it? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, she was on the Invictus label, and I ha- I have it. So one of these days we'll get it in the label. Free to pain. Her big hit, of course, was Band of Gold. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Thank you, my Paulie, friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for holding, right. and thank you for waiting. Let's go to Marie in New York. How are you, Marie? Thank you for taking my call, Mr. Bo. I'm, I'm well. Real quick, two things you mentioned in the past couple of hours. The people behind us cut every tree on their property. We're on little hundred by feet plots here out east. Modest little. Oh my goodness! Um, hey, Marie, anyway. listen. This telephone line, we can't hear you. It's static on the line, and this is not your fault. This is this is this is probably a line problem that we're having. And we're going to be out of time for today. So what I'm going to ask is, if you can call me on the Monday show, we'll try to take your call first. And just tell the screener that I asked you to take, we'll take your call first on Monday. And I'm sorry you waited so long and we couldn't get through because the line was bad. We're going to go to a break right now. When we get back, it's time for America's Small Caffeinated Mom. And we may, if we have time, try to squeeze in some more calls. So don't hang up if you're on hold. 800-848-WABC. That number, James Golden Snurley with you here on WABC. Stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time There's something wrong here, there can be no denying Carol King One of us is changing, or maybe we just From the amazing Tapestry album The iconic Tapestry album Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. Time for America's Small Caffeinated Mom. One and only Rhonda Schrock. How are you this morning from America's heartland? How are you? Well, we're part of that heat wave, James. I tell you, I think if you stuck a meat thermometer in me, it would say, she's done. Pull her out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, Rhonda, making yeah, like the I corn said, grow. <laughs> yeah, we used to have a name for that when I was coming up. We used to call it summertime. Oh, I know it. I know it. It's true. And it's not something abnormal. It's actually completely normal. And it's part of having the four seasons here, which we in our family happen to really enjoy. We like the four seasons, even if that means we're sweating it out right now. I enjoy Vivaldi, too. I like the four seasons. Yes, that By too. The, that, yes, okay. <laughs> A little hit for the classical music folks out there. Yes, okay. Anyway, Rhonda, what's on your mind this morning? 
Well, you have been talking about movies this week. Um, and by the way, I wanted to tell you, uh, thank you for not shying away from hard topics and hard things and for telling the truth about hard things in this day and age that takes an increasing amount of courage. So movies, uh, I was thinking about it this week. Uh, we went to see The Sound of Freedom, which, of course, is a horrifying, heart-wrenching story about uh, child trafficking. And all week long, that has been sitting in the back of my mind like a sumo wrestler, I can tell you. I looked up, uh, I did some digging, and I found a, a very interesting op-ed on The Daily Caller by a woman named Madison McQueen. She's with a nonprofit anti-trafficking group called Exodus Cry. And she reports that America is the top consumer of child porn and is one of the top countries in the world for sex trafficking. Um, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, human trafficking is the fastest growing criminal industry. This is a Christian nation, right? I, I was thinking about this all week long, and I thought, how, how did we get here? Top consumer. So I looked at the root word of consume, con consumption and consumer, and it means to use up, to expend, to purchase goods or services for direct use or ownership. And when you put that in the light of human beings, it's chilling. So then I thought about our decades of abortion and how we have killed innocent human beings in what should be the safest place in all of the world, and that is the mother's womb. As you know, I myself have had four. We have killed babies for years. That, I believe, has ushered in a culture of death. It, it is certainly a devaluing of human life and the most innocent among us. That, that's just a staggering realization. So in that, when you devalue human life, that's when you begin to objectify other people. You, be, you dehumanize them, and then you are able to consume them with impunity. And with almost any addiction, this is what I've observed, um, it's anti-relational. As you know, we've had a son in the world of drugs, and I know other people who've been in the world of drugs, other people who have been uh, consumed uh, with the addiction of pornography. And by the way, according to Exodus Cry, Every sex buyer that they've ever interviewed began their porn consumption in childhood, which is devastating. And having four sons, I care about this issue greatly. So I looked at the topic of addiction because I'm all too familiar with that. And again, I remembered that it was anti-relational. When our son was off in that fog, he was not thinking about anyone but himself. And really, that's what addiction does. It's extremely self-focused, and you use other people around you, and whatever it is you're addicted to, you're using that, to, uh, and you justify it. Well, I deserve this. I, my life is hard, and on and on and on, and you justify the use of other people. Well, the great lie of pornography in particular is that the next one will do it. But actually, James, as I think about it, that's true of drugs. The next hit is going to do it. The next one's going to satisfy me. The next one's going to work. Only it never does. One, one man who had been trapped in the pornography addiction told me something profound. He said, I realized finally that what I was looking for was an emotional connection, and I was never going to find it through porn. And I believe the same is true of any other addiction. What people are craving is actual relationship. And when you find it, it heals so many things. It's like 
having a hip that's out of joint, you know, you can't walk right. And so the rest of the body has to compensate and it falls into unnatural patterns in, in order to accommodate and everything hurts. It's like that. When something in our lives is out of balance, uh, there's pain in the rest of our lives and it affects more than just us. Addiction affects all the people around you, the people you love the most, the people who love you the most. So what, what is the cure? I refuse to leave listeners uh, hopeless and despairing because there's no reason to remain hopeless and despairing. The truth is we will never change. We will never consume something different until our appetite changes. And the only way that happens, the only way it happened for my son and so many other men like him uh, the men I know and love who have come out of pornography addictions, it was a change of heart. You can't just patch up the old one. You can't put in a stent, do a bypass operation. You have to get a brand new heart. You have to have a heart transplant. And the men that I know and love so much, when they threw themselves on the mercy of God and they found healing, forgiveness, relationship was restored, they were no longer living under a culture of death. Oh, James, you, you've got to meet my son someday. He is living in the light with so much life and hope and joy. And I've seen that in so many other people. And as they come out of that culture of death and into the culture of life, the relationships with the people around them improve. It, it is the most thrilling thing to witness. It's like a new birth, you know, when a child is born and it's, it, everything is new. My son's appetites are new. Uh, the men who are coming out of porn, their appetites are new. They now see people. They don't objectify. They love people. They respect people. They uh, sacrifice for other people. Uh, this is what self-growth, Rhonda, is all about. Yes. And the kind yeah. of consciousness that I was talking about that we as human beings, this is what we're, this is what we have to do. We are seeking to become better people. And this is what, this is what the, the, the striving of humanity is for us to, to rise to become better and not to give in to base passions and to our base instincts. Yeah. Rhonda, where can people find your essay? Well, it's on the dailybs.com this morning. And of course, people can always find me at rondashrock.com, S-C-H-R-O-C-K. Uh, I'd love to have them visit me. And James, not just better people, but new people. I new like people. that. Ron, and I'm going to push back on something you said, because when you said it, I okay. said, hmm, you said this is a Christian nation. Rhonda, I well, firmly believe that that is a little exclusionary because our our nation was founded on the idea of religious freedoms, not just for Christians, for everyone, for Jews, for people that come here that study, uh, even people Islamic. Whatever it is, this nation was supposed to be about the freedom to worship God as you see fit. Now, if you go back and you look at the voyage of the Christians that came here to found it because they were being persecuted, first in England, then they went to Holland, and then they came here. Yes, the beginnings of this nation started with devout Christians. But the idea of America was that America would be the one place in the world where you could practice your religion as you saw fit and would not be persecuted or prosecuted by the government. And to me, that is real important. It's real important to me that I embrace people that embrace God. 
And I embrace people that embrace, embrace God regardless of the way that they seek to do that. Because that, to me, is what really true freedom is about. And again, I'm not trying to disparage what you said, but I just have a difference of opinion with that. So I just wanted to that's, voice that. That's fine. I tried to put air quotes around the Christian, but you couldn't see those. <laughs> okay. So, yes, absolutely. Um, freedom, well, actually, the concept of freedom is biblical. So that's yes. the tenet of our faith. One hundred percent. And it is just a, a delightful thing when you are able to love people who are different from you, who think and believe differently. It's a gift and a blessing. And I have friends who are so very different from me, so much from them. Yep. And now we're and losing have... your phone line, Rhonda. Oh, I don't know if we have an issue with the phones. It's not you. It's us. We we had to go to a backup line this week, and occasionally this happens. Oh. You know, okay. it's it's a th- it's a tech thing. It happens. Okay. Well, look, Rhonda, we enjoy you as always here, and we look forward Thank to catching you. up with you next weekend. Thank you, my darling. We so appreciate. I love you. you. Mm-hmm. Thank love you. you back. Thank Bye. you much. Bye. Really quickly, we're going to try. You got ten seconds to twenty seconds, Tim, in San Diego. Quickly, your hey, point. You're- you were talking about Hendricks last week, and I was going to mention Jocka, but I had, there's a great story, and another bass player called Chris Squire, whom you, you may have heard of. And uh, he grew yep. up in London, suburban London, and uh, he, he opened for Hendricks at that, that infamous and amazing show where the Beatles and Clapton and all those guys were there. And he had no idea who he was, and he was stunned, not because uh, he was the first black man he ever met, but because this guitarist was talking to a bass player. <laughs> Um, but he was he was in fact the first black person because he grew up in suburban london you know he was born in the 40s and so the first black man he ever met was Jimi hendrix can you imagine that imagine that that's wild and he looked out to the audience and clapton and all those guys were there you know the whole crew stevie winwood all those guys so anyway great story thank you tim let's go to char in long island very quickly char I just wanted Charles to bring or... up a, Go a ahead. few weeks ago. Hello? Yep, I'm, we're listening and time's running out. Go oh, ahead. Sorry. A few weeks ago, you mentioned Bridesmaids. You and the guys were making fun of the movie, and then you played Loving You by Minnie Ripperton. Didn't anyone mention that Maya Rudolph, the woman who played the bride, was Minnie Ripperton's daughter in real life? I don't know whether anyone mentioned you. that or not. Yeah, she's the, she's the daughter of Richard Rudolph, who was Minnie's husband, and, okay. of course, Minnie Ripperton. And thank you. we got to end on that note. Time is out, sadly. But we are back. We are back Monday, God willing, for Boston Early's Rush Hour at 4 o'clock. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your family and your loved ones. I have so much love and gratitude and thanks for your being here with us on this Saturday morning and each day that we are blessed to be here with you. Have a wonderful day. Great weekend. God willing, see you Monday. Thanks to my crew. Best in the business. See you later. Bye. Bye.